0: Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words which come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realised he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this to me, she said. In these days he has shown his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people.
1: Well, seven days, seven days to Christmas. Christmas. I hope that doesn't make you feel too stressed. It's coming soon. I don't know how you feel about Christmas. Uh, For some of you, you've got a big grin on your face as you're in the shops listening to the uh, Christmas music playing and you decorate your tree and you're baking your cookies. You love it. Kids, maybe you're really looking forward to some parties and some presents. Others of us, though, are maybe a little more grinchy. A few years ago, I realized I had a bit of a problem with Christmas. Uh, It wasn't a problem with family and food and presents, that's all good. It was a problem that I discovered while I was sitting in a Christmas church service a few years ago. And as I sang the familiar carols and I heard the story of Jesus, the baby born in Bethlehem, I found that I was not experiencing any waves of joy or excitement. In fact, I honestly felt quite bored. And as I walked out of that Christmas service, I realized that the problem wasn't with the songs or with the sermon, the problem was with me, the problem was actually a spiritual problem. I wonder if you've experienced this before. It doesn't just happen at Christmas time, it can happen at any time of the year. You sit there, the sermon washes over you, like it is now, and nothing really grabs you or resonates. And the preacher is talking about Jesus and joy, and it just sounds like empty words to you. I mean, we know that the Christmas story is good news, right? Verse 14 of our passage says there's going to be joy and delight. The coming of John the Baptist and Jesus is meant to make us joyful, isn't it? But how do we experience this joy? How can we experience joy this Christmas? Whether you don't really care for Christmas at all, or you go in for all the festivities we all have to ask this question, how do I receive Jesus with joy? And in our passage, God tells us that the key is to be ready. Uh, See it there at the end of verse 17, if you've got a Bible open. John the Baptist was coming into the world, why? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. In other words, we will only get excited about Jesus if, if we're ready for Him, if we're prepared to receive Him. That's what we want to think about this morning. How can we be a people who are prepared for the Lord? How can you make sure that this year, Christmas is a thing of joy? Not just the joy of honey-glazed ham and a new smartwatch, but but deep spiritual joy. Our passage today is going to help us answer that question. We're going to see three things out of this passage this morning. The first is this, to receive Jesus with joy... We need to see God's amazing salvation plan. To receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing salvation plan. Now, to understand why I say that, let's go back. Let's go back to the dusty streets of a little town in Israel where we meet two very humble, unassuming people who are about to have their whole lives turned upside down. Zechariah and Elizabeth. They are the loveliest old couple you could ever hope to meet. They're godly, they're faithful. They're the couple at church that you want to adopt as your grandparents. But life hasn't all been smiles and sunshine. Sometimes, as Zechariah and Elizabeth walk down the street, people in hushed tones say to each other, I wonder why they never had kids. All those years, no children. I wonder if God's punishing them for something. Being infertile was a source of great sadness for Zechariah and Elizabeth. They've waited, they've prayed, but now as time pours through the hourglass, it's clear that the wrinkled hands of this old couple will never hold a little baby. And yet in spite of... The pain they're not bitter they continue to trust God his plans are best so one day Zechariah packs his suitcase he's headed off to Jerusalem for a week he's a priest and this week it's his turn to go and serve at the temple and then as the priests all arrive for their shift they take lots and Zechariah is chosen for an even more special mission While the others are going to wait outside praying, he will go inside the temple and burn incense on a special altar. It's a huge privilege. A priest would only ever get to do this once in his whole life. Now you can imagine him in that moment. He's standing there in that hushed, holy place. Just him and God And all of a sudden an angel appears out of nowhere and Zechariah is terrified, no wonder. The angel says to him, don't be afraid Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. What prayer? Well, we aren't told what Zechariah was praying about. It seems that while he was standing there at the altar, he was praying to God Some people think maybe he was praying, asking God to give Elizabeth a child. But that does seem a bit unlikely given how old they were and given how surprised he is a bit later to find out that they're going to have a child. More likely, Zechariah was praying for God to save his people, Israel. That was his job as a priest. He was to go in and pray for the people. And there's a background piece of information here that's helpful to know, things for Israel are not going well. Their enemies, the Romans, have taken over. There are soldiers patrolling the streets. Israel isn't thriving or reviving. It's actually been 400 years since God spoke to them. 400 years since a prophet came from God. Do you know what that prophet was called? Malachi. It's the book that we've been studying for the past few weeks. And you might remember that Malachi predicted the coming of a wonderful prophet and a wonderful season of revival amongst God's people. And God finished the book and he said, I'm going to send the prophet Elijah to you. And now there has been silence for 400 years. It's like a phone call where the silence on the other end has gotten so long and so awkward that the people are starting to wonder if God has hung up and so it seems most likely that in that moment Zechariah has been praying lord speak to us lord save us send that prophet you promised and now the angel tells him your prayer has been heard have you ever had one of those moments where you realized oh god is still at work In fact, amazing things are about to happen. Elizabeth's going to have a baby boy. He's going to go on to be known as John the Baptist. Verse 15 says he'll be dedicated to God by not drinking any alcohol. He'll be a great prophet, filled with the Holy Spirit while he's still in the womb. And his job will be to prepare Israel for the coming of Jesus. Do you see what's happening here? God is giving Zechariah... A glimpse into his amazing plan of salvation God is saying Zechariah open your eyes I'm not finished you thought I'd stop speaking you thought you could never have a kid my plans are bigger and better and more amazing than you can imagine and I'm gonna unfold these plans through really ordinary people like you and Elizabeth And I'm even going to be able to turn your pain and your suffering into joy and delight. Now today, we're asking the question, how can we receive Jesus with joy? Well, if I just think about Christmas as being a little baby lying in a manger a long time ago, maybe it's cute, but it can also be pretty underwhelming. We need to know that that baby was the Son of God and that he grew up and became a king, and that that king is alive today, and that that king is coming back soon. Could be this afternoon. Christmas isn't just about what God has done, it is about what God is still doing. Back in Geelong, uh, in Victoria, I used to live in a neighbourhood full of old houses, uh, and as I would walk the streets, I'd often find myself just looking at them, you You stare at this kind of small-looking old house. The facade, maybe 100 years old. didn't look very impressive. But then as you kept walking, you would see down the side of the house that they'd done an extension. And you'd see at the back, there was a second story. And it would just stretch back room after room. God's plan of salvation is like a house that you're wandering through. Oh, yeah, here's a room. A baby in a manger. Oh, here's a room. And then just when you think you might be nearing the end, it opens up. And there's a whole another level and another level. And there's a secret attic full of treasures. And you just keep walking into new rooms ornately decorated, full of amazing things. What God is doing in the world is bigger and more expansive and more epic than we can imagine. God isn't done with you. Do you know that? He isn't finished working in your life. He isn't finished transforming you. He isn't finished using you. He isn't finished with your loved ones. He isn't finished with Riverbank. He isn't finished with Launceston. He isn't finished with building his kingdom and bringing righteousness and peace to the whole world. If we want to be moved and excited about Jesus, we need to remember what God's doing in the world, in our church, in our own lives, because your joy in Jesus is going to be shrunken and shriveled if you close your mind to what God is doing. If your prayers become limited to, thank you God for this meal and please heal grandma's broken toe. So that's the first thing we see in our passage this morning. To receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing salvation plan. But there's a second way that we need to prepare ourselves. The second thing that this passage shows us is that to receive Jesus with joy, we need to turn towards God. We need to see God's amazing salvation plan. We also need to turn towards God. Which way? are you facing right now? Do you have your face towards God or do you have your back to Him? Look at the prophecy in verse 16. Look at what John came to do. He will bring back, or literally turn back, many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. It's hard to give a gift to someone who's got their back to you, right? John is coming to turn the people back to God so that they'll be ready to receive Jesus. What does it mean to turn towards God? Verse 17, John says, sorry, it says, John will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. There's two things going on here. First, turning... The parents' hearts to their children seems to be speaking about families being reconciled instead of selfishness and broken relationships. This is families being reunited, apologies are made, forgiveness is given, fathers are stepping up and leading their families to God again. How can we receive God's love if we're not willing to show God's love? When we turn to God, He calls us to humbly admit our sin And forgive sin. 2nd verse 17 says that the disobedient have their hearts turned to the wisdom of the righteous. In other words, people are turned from sin to righteousness. When we're turned away from God, we have our backs to Him. We are living for ourselves. We're doing whatever we want. But when we turn to God, we say, God, you're good. Your way is best, I want you more than anything else. You know that Christmas when I sat in church not feeling much at all, I've come to realise what my problem was. The, real I, the problem was that I never really stopped to prepare my heart for Christmas. I hadn't spent much time at all thinking about Jesus in the lead up to that moment. I had walked into church, I had sat down, and I had quietly said in my head, All right, preacher man, impress me. I've had a busy week, I've been distracted, there's a lot going on. I'm going to give you the next 20 minutes to prove to me that maybe God is still relevant. If you want to experience less joy in Jesus this Christmas, I can tell you how. Keep Jesus at arm's length, don't think too deeply about his love and his grace. Don't think too deeply about why he came. Don't bother to admit your own sin and weakness. Don't let go of all those other things in your life that capture your attention, your fancy. Don't say to Jesus, I want to give everything to you. I want to give you my time and my money and my energy, my hobbies. I want to give everything to you. Don't say that. In uh, 1988 our late queen, Elizabeth II, visited Launceston. Some of you probably remember that. And so, of course, she was led on a royal tour of the city's uh, sewerage plant and then the rubbish dump and then they showed her the place where all of our homeless people camp out. (laughs) No, of course not. We put on our best for the royal family, don't we? The red carpet was rolled out. The streets of Launceston CBD were lined with adoring people. And one little 13-year-old girl reached out and gave the queen a beautiful bunch of flowers. Launceston was on her best behavior. And sometimes getting ready for Christmas feels like that too, doesn't it? We make sure there's nice food and, and there's presents and there's nice clothes. But actually, when we get ourselves ready for Christmas spiritually... We aren't meant to dress up. There should be no makeup. We actually get ready by exposing our flaws. God doesn't want us to put on makeup and hide our blemishes. Why? Because Jesus hasn't come for a royal parade. He's come for all the dark sins and sorrows that you keep locked in a box under your bed in the dark and you don't want to show them to anyone. Jesus has come to wash us clean from all our sin and our guilt. He isn't like concealer or mascara. He's more like laser surgery. Santa says, well, you'd better be good if you want presence. Jesus says, well, you better admit that you're bad if you want my presence in your life. How are you going with this? With leaving the excuses behind? With admitting that you're not basically okay, not basically good, not basically strong, and got it all together? It sounds painful, doesn't it? Why would you want to admit that your life is full of sin and selfishness? Well, actually, it's as we turn to God with all of that, that God welcomes us. And he says, okay, now you are ready to receive the gift of my son. Now you're ready for the joy of forgiveness, of complete acceptance that you didn't deserve, of endless grace that you can't escape. So we've seen to receive Jesus with joy, we need to see God's amazing salvation plan. We need to turn towards God with our whole hearts and our whole lives. We need to see, we need to turn. Now, third and finally, we need to trust. To receive Jesus with joy, we need to trust God's promises. Zechariah is standing there. He hears the angel's words. Incredible promises of salvation. The promise of a child. The very things he's been longing for. For years, and he, he can't believe his ears. He actually can't. Verse 18, how can I be sure of this? Don't you know how old me and my wife are? There's no way we're about to fall pregnant. The angel's response is amazing. See it there? And you're old? Ah, well, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to bring you this good news. He's like an FBI agent who flashes his badge to prove his identity. The angel shows Zechariah his credentials. Zechariah was a godly man, but he was not ready for what God was planning to do. He doubted. He underestimated God. He asks for a sign, he gets one, and it comes in the form of a punishment, of a lesson. Zechariah Zechariah won't be able to speak for the next nine months until Elizabeth gives birth. That would have been really frustrating. In a sense, God says, just be quiet, Zechariah. Be quiet and watch me work. I will keep my promises. All you need to do is trust me and wait patiently. If you want less joy this Christmas, then focus on your fears. Focus on the obstacles in your life. What are they? Focus on the struggles and tell yourself, God is definitely too small to overcome them tell yourself that God's amazing salvation plan is too good to be true Zechariah learned a painful lesson that day a blazing angel from heaven stood in front of him and all he could see was his wrinkled hands and his wife's barren womb and we have seen a lot more than Zechariah did haven't we We've seen John the Baptist come and grow up and, and Jesus as well be born and be crucified and rise from the dead. We've seen him ascend to heaven. We've seen God pour out the Holy Spirit with power to transform our hearts and lives. We've heard the promise that Jesus is coming back soon to make all things new, to wipe every tear from our eyes. But we're still waiting. We're still waiting for all of those promises to come true, aren't we? And some of us, are grieving the loss of a loved one. And this morning, God invites us to believe His promises. He will be our comfort and our rock. He will return soon to wipe every tear from our eyes. Some of us feel like the sin and and the problems in our lives are, are stubborn and immovable. This morning, God invites us to believe his promises. That his spirit is powerful to bring change, partially now, one day, perfectly. I know the promises we celebrate at Christmas are remarkable. God with us, sin and death defeated, the salvation of the world. Are these promises too good to be true? Depends who made them. They are made by the God who commands angels, who causes infertile old ladies to fall pregnant, who can put his Holy Spirit in an unborn child. My wife, Sham will tell you, I like to be well prepared when we've got guests coming for dinner. I like to have the food cooking, preferably cooked, the toilets are clean, the table's set, we're ready to go. If we're not ready when the people arrive, I feel stressed. But if everything's prepared, then when they arrive, I can welcome my guests with joy. This Christmas, if we want to receive Jesus with joy, we need to be ready. We need to prepare ourselves. So if if the good news of Jesus isn't bringing you joy at the moment, maybe you can test yourself with the three things we've seen this morning. Number one, see. Have I lost sight of what God is doing in the world? Have I forgotten his amazing plan of salvation? Number two, turn. Have I been turning away from God, getting distracted by other things? Have I forgotten that God is the best thing I have, more precious than anything else? See, turn. And number three, trust. Have I been doubting God's promises? Becoming discouraged by difficult circumstances in my life. We'll finish with this. Jim Elliott sat in the hot cabin of the ship, heading for the remote jungles of Ecuador. Why? Because he was determined to tell the unreached Indian tribe of the Alcas the good news of Jesus. Jim was leaving everything behind, his fiancé, his family, his friends, all the luxuries of America and a promising career and there was every chance that he would die in the jungle. Spoiler alert, he did. If he didn't die from an Indian spear or a snake bite, he would die from a tropical disease. He and his fellow missionary Pete were giving up everything. And yet, as he sat on board the boat, looking into the unknown, this is what Jim wrote in his diary. I'll read it. I do not understand how God has made me. Joy, sheer joy and thanksgiving fill and encompass me. I can scarcely keep from turning to Pete and saying, brother, this is great. Or, we never had it so good. God has done and is doing all I ever desired, much more than I ever asked. Praise, praise to the God of heaven and to his son Jesus, because he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I may boldly say, I will not fear. Isn't that amazing? That is the joy that only Jesus can give. And this Christmas, I hope that each of us We'll experience joy as we see what God's doing through Jesus. And we turn to him with everything we have and we trust him completely. Then we will be a people who aren't just prepared for Christmas, but prepared for the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, we want to be prepared for you because there is nothing more exciting more glorious, more important than you and your coming. Jesus has come and he's done just what we desperately need. He has died to save us from our sins and risen in victory. Lord, we admit again this morning that we desperately need that salvation. We want to turn to you with our mess, with our sin even right now, And admit that you are our only hope and all our joy. And Lord, we know that we're not home yet. Jesus is yet to come a second time and make all things new. And so we still have to wait, Lord. And there are promises that we have to hold on to. And that can be hard. Lord, you know the struggles of each person in this room. You know the obstacles in their lives, the things that cause them to drag their feet, that cause them to feel anxious or stressed, the things that make them wonder whether you still love them and whether you're still at work. Oh, Lord God, show us again, like you showed Zechariah, just how glorious and powerful you are and that the Holy Spirit lives in us and is working, and will not stop working until all is done. Oh, Father God, please fill us with joy this Christmas as we receive Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.